Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, welcome back. And I want to say thank you for being here. I hope that y'all like today's show. And if you do enjoy it, which I'm sure you will, hit that subscribe button on your platform of choice so that you'll never miss an episode. All right. Today, we've got a great guest with us. We recently wrapped up my Path to the Draft series, which very much focused on football athletes and lessons that football teaches us to be successful. Today, we're changing it up having a different spin to help us move the ball. So inside the huddle with us and ready to help us keep that ball moving is Wes Chamberlain. Wes is a former professional baseball player who was drafted in the fourth round of Major League Baseball's draft in 1987. And then he ended up playing with the Philadelphia Phillies and the Boston Red Sox for a total of six seasons. Wes also played a season internationally in the Nippon Professional Baseball or for Nippon Professional Baseball. And in 2013, Wes was inducted into the Jackson State University Hall of Fame. Wes, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm really excited for our chat. Let's start off talking about the sport of baseball. Being a competitive athlete, you learn so many lessons about how sports teach you more than just the sport that you're playing. So can you tell us, when you look back upon your baseball career, can you tell us some of the life lessons, the leadership lessons that baseball has taught you? Yes. Baseball has taught me character as far as like uh, growing up in a family. I have four older brothers, uh, Essex, uh, Juan, David, and Larry. They were uh, sports, athletic in sports. That's how they used to uh, babysit. I used to tag along them because they're six, seven, eight, nine years old. And so I was a little brother. So I was like a little sponge. Everything I saw, what they were doing, I definitely wanted to do. I wanted to learn all those things. So I can say that that right there was like a stepping stone because those were how my summers were still in Chicago. And to get older in life, I mean, I just took a liking to it since the age of what, four years old. It has uh, just been a part of my life from that moment on. What was it about baseball that really intrigued you about the game? Well, when my older brother won, they made me stand against the wall. We used to play a game called Strikeout. We used to draw boxes on the wall, up on the brick wall in our neighborhood. People's windows used to be like <laughs> like right there in the middle. So you had to really learn how to throw the ball. When he told me to stand up there against the wall with the bat in the hand and don't move, and he, he's throwing the ball at me, it taught me about overcoming fear. There's nothing more challenging than the object coming at you. You had to stand in there and be willing to hit it. And then the thing was, was more, what was most intriguing is that, okay, now this is a straight ball, but now I hit this moving ball, this cricket ball. That right there, everyone's just not able to do it and then be, to be successful at it. So I believe that right there is what makes baseball really intriguing to me. Tell us, how old were you the first time you picked up your first baseball bat? I was four. I had my brother's bat. It was too big for me. And so my mom went out and bought me a Bam Bam bat. It was a green one, 
and a white little plastic ball came with it. She saw me running after them a lot. So she's like, here, I, you know, she just went and got it. I had a green one. It had a real big head. It was real plastic. And I just called it the Bam Bam Bat because of the Flintstones. Bam Bam used to walk around with that, sure. that wood and be hitting rocks and everything. And so I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I remember Bam Bam. I watched the Flintstones <laughs> growing up. Uh, one of those shows that, that I definitely miss. It's one of those classics that you remember when yeah. you were a kid. Yeah. So you're from Chicago, you mentioned, you talked about when I read your bio that you played at Jackson State University, signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates originally. Can you share with us, what was that feel like? How did you feel at the time of the draft and knowing that you were going into the MLB system? What was that like for you? Well, I got drafted out of high school first before I went to Jackson State. Nervous coming out of high school. And so once my, my mom spoke with the Pittsburgh Pirates representatives and we finally signed with an agent and we started learning about the professional process of uh, negotiating. My mom said, okay. She said, well, I decide it would be best for you to go to college. And if they feel that you're this good at 18, they can draft you again at 21, three years later. I feel it's best that you go to college and it'll help you become a young man. And then I feel that they draft you again, you'll be able to, uh, I have no problem with you signing a contract because you'll be a little older, you'll be a little bit more mature, and you'll be a young man. And I feel comfortable with you signing a contract, a professional contract. That's what made me decide to go to college. And then talk to us about what your time was like playing at uh, Jackson State University. Jackson State University is my first time experiencing games down south from Chicago, so that was my first time really experiencing uh, racism. All of the history started just coming out as an 18-year-old experiencing that. Everything that my mom had just told me, we had just spoken about by not signing a contract and going to college, everything just started falling in place. So it was very different. In all honesty, Jim, it, it really helped grow up, like she said, and it really made me a man and the man I am today because we just learned about yourself as a black person, as an African-American, you just started seeing things and all of the, the, the movies and stories just started becoming fulfilled. I mean, I was from Chicago and the teal was from Chicago. And it just was like, wow. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a wild moment for me. Like, just wow. And people say, oh, you talk with it. I'm like, wow, you talk with it. But just things of Things pending off back and forth on you as 18 year old, trying to just find your way through life and trying to continue and move on and try to make a dream come true. I mean, I had to follow the steps. I had to take that path uh, according. Those were the uh, steps that I had to go through. During your last year at Jackson State, had a great year, recorded 58 hits, 47 runs, 46 RBI, tied for second on the team with eight home runs. What are some of the things that you did to help you to be successful? Well, to be successful as an athlete, you have to put in the work and the time. And I'm pretty sure you hear Michael Jordan and all the guys that are Hall of Famers, everyone knows that you have to put the work in. It's also about mental, it's mental things too. So with that being said, as given, being, having the opportunity as a professional athlete, if you get drafted or if you don't get drafted, if you sign a contract, that's your opportunity. And those are the mental challenges or the mental stages that you're faced with 
if you're a first round draft pick, sure, you're going to get more of opportunity. But if you're not drafted, just goes down the line. It's a lot of things that I took with myself. It's just, I, I use it as a, a schooling system. I took it as like, hey, going to elementary, from elementary to high school, from high school to college. And I just kept that path. And I, I just put in the work continuously, whatever I, I saw athletes, whatever I heard, the ones that were before me from all different sports, football, tennis, baseball, basketball, all that, because I was involved in that. But all the ones who grew up like I grew up in the inner city of Chicago, New York. And I just said, well, hey, this is the opportunity. I know where I came from. I know what's back there. And I'm just going to put my best foot forward and uh, just do what I can do to uh, give myself a uh, better opportunity to, uh, to have a successful life. It's a great way to look at it. Put your best foot forward always. And so you obviously had a great college career, went into the Major League Baseball system, played with the Phillies for a number of years. Talk to us about what it was like the first time you suited up and stepped onto uh, the field, you know, have your first at bat as a Major League Baseball player. It was another wow moment. It finally happened. I didn't play. I sat there and watched uh, a major league game first-handed in the dugout. I had a conversation with myself. It was more of a teary moment, like, wow, my dream came through. I was just off on the end of the dugout by myself, really. I was just to myself and just admiring and just taking everything in, waiting patiently for opportunity to play because I, well, when I first got there, I sat on the bench two weeks before I got it back. So I had a lot of time on my hand, and, and I can remember it just like how you asked. And I just waited very patient because I didn't know when I was going to play. I didn't know when I was going to get in the lineup. So I just became a sponge and just sat back and just took all the notes. I have a photogenic memory, and I was just taking everything in and soaking it up and just still working, trying to understand, like, okay, I'm here, but I still haven't arrived. When I say that, it's like your body's here, but you're not really physically active. You have a holding pattern. That's how I took it. That's how I felt. And as I was listening to you talk, there's so many things that you can learn about the sport and how to be successful from being an observer of the game as well. It's not just about when you're out there ready to swing the bat or when you're out playing. It's also when you're as a member of the team, just observing the dynamic and everything that's going on. You can learn about how you can improve your craft, your game, by watching other people do it as well, learning about the sport, which I think is important. You don't have to be the starter, so to speak, to be one that's learning lessons from the game. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's how I took it. I mean, that's how I saw it. That's how I took it and I approached it. I can remember when I first had my first minor league game, I didn't start. And the guys that were in the organization, they had the opportunity first. But I never took it as a negative thing. I just took it as a grain of salt. Say, okay, well, I'm here. I'm working. I'll just wait for my opportunity. And when my opportunity comes, everything will just fall in place. I've taken things like that still today in life. I'm just not going to say, oh, they didn't give me an opportunity. Oh, they didn't do this. No, you have an opportunity. No, when you signed a professional contract, you have to know your rights. That's why you have to get people around you to help you if you need a, a financial plan, if you, you don't know how to do it, you have to get that assistance. If you need an account, you have to get somebody with that professional. So that's why I go back to the schooling system of being able to learn and adapt to where you are in life at that moment. I really like that because it's about your mindset. 
the mindset that you have is going to drive the outcomes that you have. And so too easily people get discouraged because they're not you know, the starter or they're not in the lead position and everybody wants to be, not everybody, but a lot of people want that and they get discouraged if they're not that. But it's not always about being in that lead position. There are still opportunities that can come your way, but you have to stay mentally tough. You need to stay in the right mindset so that you can be prepared and ready for those opportunities when they're available to you. Yes, I agree 100% because I always use the educational system as my plan, as my chart, as my note taker, because of the simple fact is that everywhere in life that you're going, you have stepping stones. You become successful in one part, and then that gets you to the next plateau. Now you're starting back over at the bottom because there are people that are already there before you like you just said, they're already starters. They're already superior in in your whatever you are. If you if you're a CEO, if you're a financial planner, if you're a businessman, if you're a teacher, that teacher had to start as a rookie teacher, and then that teacher's successful. So now they're the CEO of the school. Now they're the principal. Now they're the superintendent. And that's how I've always uh, charted my success in life. It's a great way. To, I really like your approach, your outlook, because it aligns very much with mine. And I think with people that are successful, they, they just figure out whatever situation they're in, they're going to roll with it. They're going to make the most of it. They're going to learn from it, grow from it. They're going to move the ball and the opportunities will come and they'll continue to progress. So let's talk about your time with the Phillies. Um, your 91 season, career high, 13 home runs, 50 RBI, 51 runs, 92 hits, nine stolen bases. Played in 101 games, which is a lot of games to play. I mean, it's not for baseball because you had to play 162 games, but 101 games in a season is a lot. Uh, talk to us about that season and what it was like for you. But that was another growing season because I started that year. I made the team. That was my first full year. Uh, I made the team out of spring training. I didn't start. And then we went to two managers. One manager got fired and then the other one came in. And when the other one came in, I was demoted back down to the minor leagues. I was disappointed for being demoted because I felt that, first of all, I'm sitting on the bench and now, you know, I understand the business part. I'm learning the business part and I see all the transaction and I see everything going through it. I was like, wow, I just felt, you know, I got served kind of like a bad poker hand where you have your cards and throw them in and then you wait for the next hand to come around. And that's, that's just how I took it because I said, well, I wasn't playing and I was waiting to start, but they fired the manager that I made the team with that spring training and now they bought in a new match. So I, I got a roll with it. I was like, okay, a little spilt milk. I went down to the minor leagues and disappointed, not bad or anything like that, but just felt disappointed. And went down and then uh, after probably a month or so, they called me back up and they called me back up. Uh, I was able to get an uh, opportunity to get in the lineup and then I played and I did. Uh, that was my first experience. And so now dealing with this the new manager at the time, I had to adjust to his his formality. It was a real growing experience in my first four years in the major leagues because I didn't know, you're not told anything. You just, you're told, but you're not told. So I didn't, they, I, nothing was like saying, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. It's just like, hey, we got you back up here. Let's see what you do. You know, the manager has a way that he wants to go. And you just roll with it. That's exactly what I did. It turned out to be, for me, like, okay, some people might think that's very successful, but for me, I just, I was not fulfilled with it, but I was uh, grateful for every opportunity because in sports, there's always room for improvement. And with that, 
I had improved every year from that day forward. I saw myself improving like, okay, college, you minor leagues, now you're major leagues, now you know you got to keep working. So there's no time for takeoff. There's no time for uh, taking a break. You just have to keep pressing forward and keep fulfilling the goal that you have planned you know, on your plan. Sharon, you mentioned that in sports, there's always room for improvement, but I will say in life, there's always room for improvement as well. And so we should always be looking at how we can get to that next level. So let's talk about, uh, you also got to play in 93 in the World Series, where the Phillies ended up playing Toronto, the Blue Jays. So talk to us about what that experience was like for you being in the World Series. That was another stepping stone. I didn't start, but it was uh, another dream come true because every athlete wants to play in the NBA championship, the Super Bowl, or Augusta, any any major Wimbledon, any athlete, you want to play on the stage. So I didn't get a chance to start, but I was very grateful for being able to play because I was a part of the team. And that's exactly what kept me focused about that is that in sports and those are life learned lessons. It's not about you. It's about the team. It's not about you. It's about your family. And in sports, your teammates become your family. You start spending more time with those gentlemen. You're with them throughout the whole season, day in and day out. And so if some are married, you're spending more time with them than their wives and their children. And if you're single, you spend more time with them. So me, at that time, was not married. It was just a big old family. And it was awesome. I mean, like I said, dream about playing in the World Series, dream about hitting a home run to win the game, dream about getting a big hit. I mean, I just soaked it all in and just can't make that type of stuff up. So the Phillies did not end up winning the World Series that year. But what was the biggest memory that you'll have or lesson that you will take away from that experience? I'll take the whole thing, not one in particular. When I got traded to Boston Red Sox, played with Andre Dawson the person who I've seen in Monkey Hall and with the Chicago Bear. I've always remembered this conversation we had in Locker. We had a travel day at Marengo, the World Series Ring Championship. The winner gets the World Championship ring. Loser gets the divisional ring. He was like, hey, you got your World Series ring on. We, was, we were on the bus or the plane. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, hey, let me see that. I took the ring off and he was like, yeah. he said, that is nice. This is his last like coming down to his end of his career. He's DH. And I'm sitting there just soaking up the experience from him, just watching him. And I'm in awe. Like, man, I've been watching you now. If we're teammates, how unreal is this? I just was like another awe, another wild moment. But i never forget. He was like, I said, yeah, we were talking and the conversation was just kind of going on. It was positive. And I said, yeah, I can remember just as clear. And he, I said, yeah, this is, he said, that's a real nice. I said, yeah, but this is the loser ring. And he said, yeah, but you played it for a city. And I have never, ever forgotten what he said. I'm about 25, 26, and he's played 20 years, like half my life. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then he's like, you know, twice my age, and he's still playing a child's game, and it's a business. And I'm looking at him like, wow, I grew up watching you. And to hear you say that to me just really made me just realize, uh, you know, uh, in a moment. He's played his whole life, 20 years, and I played only three years, and I played in the World Series, and he still yet haven't played. And I was just like, thank you. You know, I said, I'll never forget that. Oh, every time I, I went to the stadium, everything was always a, a life lesson for me because I know that I'm not going to play this forever. So 
I want to be successful. I want to earn and make a lot of money to, uh, you know, make sure that when it ends that I'll be in a good financial situation. But a lot of the things that I really learned, uh, what I'm telling you today, those are life lessons along the way. Well, I really like that story because it's all about the perspective that you have. And you had one perspective. And in your conversation with Andre Dawson about, you know, you were saying it's the loser ring. And he's like, yeah, but you still got to play in the World Series. Like, don't forget that. When you thought of it that way, your perspective changed, right, yeah. about that experience. And so the perspectives we have on the experiences in our lives is so important that we maintain that positive perspective. Even if we think that something, you know, we didn't get the outcome that we wanted, still keep it in perspective because you might not have won the World Series or had X happen, which is what you wanted, but there might still be some good experiences because you got to be a part of that thing. So I like that story. I appreciate you sharing that. So let's transition. Let's talk about some other things that you've done. You have published a book called In the Game. So talk to us about your book. Well, it's a simple bio, biography, and that's it. It's right to the point. Tells me about growing up in Chicago. Tells about my livelihood. Tells about my family, my media family. It tells about everything that I'm basically talking about right now. It's volume one. Plan on having volume two and three. Uh, it's a very quick, short read. Growing up on the south side of Chicago, uh, going to grammar school, high school, college, and signing a professional contract. And I believe it's pretty much stopped there. Trials and tribulations of my life in Chicago, experiences with uh, losing one of my brothers, one of my younger brothers who was real close to me, who was two years apart. It tells about the not so good, it tells about the good, the balance of life, I call it. It's, just, it's nothing I'm ashamed of or anything of that nature. It's just my life, and I wanted to really express it my way. I don't, I, I wanted to be like how we're having this conversation. And if you read the book, some of the comments, that I've gotten from people, they say, oh, it's like we're sitting down and we're having a conversation. And I was like, oh, I said, okay, really? I said, that's exactly how I want it to be. I didn't want, I don't want it to be dramatic or anything. I just want to just share a part of my life with, with that, uh, volume two and volume three, because I'm still alive. And if, you know, if anything, lo and behold, happened to me today or tomorrow, at least that part would be out. And so I'm content with that. And tell people, where can they find the book? Oh, they can find the book, Amazon, select the Kindle tab on the, on the Amazon, and they give you a, a whole free insert, Amazon.com, on the Kindle book. It's only an ebook. It's not in hard copy. I had a lot of good reviews on it. People have probably went there and almost read the whole book because it's on the page. <laughs> nice. So, so, and what we'll do is we'll be sure to put the, the link for the ebook in our show notes so people can check that out as well. And talk to us about what else you're doing. I know you're doing a lot of work helping kids between the ages of 5 to 18. Talk to us about some of the, the training that you offer and what you do there. I'm a private baseball and softball instructor in the fall. I give uh, pitching, fielding, hitting lessons, agilities, anything that has to do with sports and athletics. And a lot of it is uh, teaching the kids uh, mentoring and uh, sportsmanship. Along with that, I give the baseball and hitting lessons, but I'm also giving mentoring, motivating with the kids. Uh, I'm giving life lessons also with that. It's just people come in and say like, oh, yeah, you give lessons and things of that nature. But it's not that. When, when I get the child one-on-one, they're really able to understand that, hey, this is going to help you also 
not just in sports, but it's also going to help uh, with your mom and with your dad because I'm going to also relate everything back to their parents. First and foremost thing is that I feel as an elder and as a parent myself, I lead everything back to the adults, to the seniors, because without them, you would not have this opportunity to be here with them. And I want every youth, every toddler, teenager to understand that their parents are very, their vehicle in their life. The parents drive the car, the parents care for them, and then they help become the adult that you grow into. And so when a person works with me, one of my people's work, they have that lasting experience. Not only did I help them to be a better athlete, but also a better person. And that's my goal. And where can people learn more if they're interested in talking with you about having you work with their kids? Give us your website address and we'll also have that in the show notes. Okay, my website is thewestchamberlain.com. Everything is self-explanatory. The title of my business is called Slugfest Baseball and Softball Academy. It's located in Chicago, in the south suburbs of Chicagoland area. And I use the Diamond Baseball Facility to give my private lessons. Sure. And so if you're in the Chicagoland area, you know people that are in the Chicagoland area, check out Wes and sign your kids up to be a part of his academy and you'll learn great lessons. Your kids will learn great life lessons as well. And again, we'll have that in the show notes so you can learn more about all the great things that he's doing to help make an impact on our youth and future leaders of tomorrow. So Wes, what I want to do now is I want to take you through my two minute drill. Just ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. First one is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? A Major League Baseball player. Well, there you go. And you did it. (laughs) Nice. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? I don't have one, but I I, I do want to uh, go to Hawaii. That's on my bucket list. I would like to take that vacation to Hawaii. Okay. How about what is your favorite ice cream flavor? All of them, especially the ones that got nuts in. I mean, I'm an ice cream person, that's it. That's your thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like them all, especially with nuts. Okay. What's a pet peeve of yours? Wow. Respect your elders. Oh, yes. That, that is important that, uh, that people show respect to elders. And I can see how that would be a pet peeve if people don't do that. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Actually, neither. Okay. (laughs) Appreciate the honesty. And my last question is, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people. Who would you choose and why? Wow. That's a tough question. If I have to give you an answer, it would have to be probably uh, some former teammates. Okay. Because uh, we have that family atmosphere. And so with that being said, I'm not able to pick the three off the top of my head. But it would be, they will most definitely be uh, off that 1993 team. And with that being said, you know, we have some people with that are probably seated at the moment. Good answer. So as we look to wrap up today's show, tell our listeners, what's the best way for people to follow you? We've already talked about your website, where they can get a hold of your book. Uh, are you on social media where you want us to point people to? I'm only on LinkedIn and Twitter. That's it. I don't want to be stressed out too thin on Instagram and all the things of that nature. So LinkedIn, Twitter, and my website, the West Chamberlain or thewestchamberlain.com. I do reply back to uh, my emails. 
Perfect. We'll put all of those in the show notes so people can follow you, connect with you. Any last thoughts for our listeners? I want to thank Jen Garrett for having me on her podcast and uh, on Move the Ball. And I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I just wish you all the success that you're looking for. And God bless you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you on. And I've loved the stories that you've shared with us. Thank you to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.